We're going to look at Psalm 23 and Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, Psalm 23. So um, uh, the Bible never said everything would be easy. And the Bible never said everything would be simple. And once you're born again, that uh, you don't have any more troubles and you don't have any more tests and you don't have any trials. Uh, sometimes that's the start of your trials and troubles and tests. Because uh, there is an enemy that's arrayed against us. But if you read the book of Ephesians, never read like the last part of Ephesians without reading the first part of Ephesians. Because we're actually seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all principality, power, might, rule, and dominion. And every name that's named. So if you've got a sickness or a disease or maybe even a person sometimes or a business, most of those all have names. And so, uh, you know, eventually they all have to bow to the name of Jesus. And if it's sickness or disease, Jesus has already set us free from that. So as we uh, use the name of Jesus, every sickness, every disease um, has to bow. In other words, uh, you don't want to fight against a sickness or a disease saying like, you know, I'm Tim, so this can't be on me. Or I'm a pastor, so this can't be on me. Uh, I always think of the Bible, the seven sons of Sceva found out that you get stripped naked that way. So you get like embarrassed <laughs> coming back like, where's all your clothes? Where's all your clothes? Well, I said like, you know, in the name of uh, Jesus, the pastor Tim preaches. No, no, no. Like in the name of Jesus for yourself. Like Jesus is our personal Lord, our personal Savior, and Christianity is not a religion, it's actually a relationship, and it's where uh, the God of heaven comes to live inside of believers, inside of us, and to uh, not just take up space, but actually uh, to use us and to fellowship with us, in other words, to be close with us and to commune with us, and God himself is when you're born again, he's living on the inside of you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he is there to actually lead and to guide and to speak. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been around, uh, really honored to be around what I consider some of the uh, most amazing men of God that uh, have been alive in, in our time frame. Of course, I think of Dad Hagen, um, probably as top of that list. And, uh, you know, I'd see him many times because I was in, uh, I did uh, television and would do uh, video shoots with him and stuff. And so I go up, or excuse me, he'd come up and we're preparing everything and he comes up and um, I got along pretty well with him. So I, they would normally have me like greet him and get him ready and stuff like that. And so, uh, but you know, uh, even knowing him, he wouldn't say a lot unless you asked him. And, you know, Proverbs talks about that, that uh, wisdom is like a deep well. You have to, like, draw it out. And so um, somebody said, and I don't remember who it was, that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. And, you know, he's not going to push something off on you. The devil is, like, controlling and forceful and corners you and tries to make you do this and make you do that. Uh, but that's not how God is. The Holy Spirit, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. That means you have to give him way. So like I just think of like the little upside down triangle yield sign. And what you're supposed to do, all wonderful DC Metro drivers, is like you're supposed to yield. In other words, if somebody else is coming, you kind of let them go. 
So with the Holy Spirit, we are to have our antennas up. When I come to a yield or even like a yellow caution, you know, I'm like looking and seeing like, is anybody else coming? Is somebody else coming? Because I don't want to slow down. I want to keep going. But if someone else is coming, I'm going to slow down because I don't want to have a wreck. Well, it's the same thing in our spiritual life is that the Holy Spirit is present in us. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if we uh, pause and look for what the Holy Spirit's doing, then we won't like get into a wreck. And that actually means not just, uh, not just figuratively, but even literally. And um, I didn't intend to tell you this, but we were down in Tennessee at a conference with Pastor Mark and Trenna this, this week. It's the conference we go to every year. Wonderful way to start the year. And, uh, so, but this big snowstorm is coming up you know, from the south. And uh, so we had planned to leave Friday because being a senior pastor now, I don't enjoy getting home late on Saturdays and, uh, you know, just feeling rushed and everything. I like to uh, keep myself at peace and uh, commune with the Lord. So uh, we were planning to leave Friday morning and then this storm, I saw this storm coming through. And uh, so I thought, well, we better leave pretty early. Uh, So we missed the storm because we were down in... uh, western part of Tennessee, so we'd have to follow 40 across Interstate 40, right where all those big storms were coming. And, uh, but I slept in till like 7, and uh, so uh, I thought, well, I need the rest, and uh, we got ready to go, and so we start going, and I'm like really just a little bit upset. Um, and uh, some friends wanted us to stop by Nashville to say hi, and I said, well, Melody, text them, we don't have time because, you know, the storm, and so we're going, and my ways and technology and I'm a tech guy but it was confusing me and so uh, I'm going and I start going and I start going the wrong way to go like the northern route because I had looked and like oh ways actually sent me through Kentucky instead of through uh, 40 Tennessee and all that and um, I thought well maybe that'd be a better way to go but it adds about 45 minutes and um, so I I like to go from point A to point B and really not stop in between so you can see I've had to grow having a family. And um, so we start out, and for whatever reason, the electronics were sending me the northern way. And then I realized it, but I was already on this road that takes like five, was it five or six miles before you can turn around? <laughs> and uh, it's snowing and the roads are covered, which is not as big a deal here maybe is as, as it is in Tennessee. Um, they're not as used to it even as we are. Uh, so we start going, and then I'm just not happy. Uh, and I'm like, well, uh, I thought we were supposed to, I thought we were going, uh, uh, to go on 40. So I'm like, man, we had to wait five miles to turn around. So we go and we drive, we drive. And, uh, finally we get to where we can turn around and we start turning around and I'm just like not happy about it. And, uh, so as we're turning around and I said to Melody, I was like, I don't like to drive on the same road twice. I don't like to backtrack. I want to like just keep going. And so I'm backtracking. Well, while I'm backtracking, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, speaks to me. And so I've got this like uh, uneasiness on the inside, like uh, maybe you should be going the northern way, even though it takes longer. And according to ways, it was like 10 minutes different. And uh, I thought, you know, I don't really want to go three times on the same road because I'd be backtracking twice. And uh, so we keep going, and I'm actually getting more upset. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, oh, hey, hello. You know, you're like going contrary to what you have on the inside. And so uh, 
uh, I think I pulled over to the side of the road for a second so I could just uh, listen to the Lord and uh, meditate for a second. And so I did. And then I, I realized, like, oh, I'm not supposed to go that way. And so we turned around, went the other way. And the second I turned around and yielded to the Holy Ghost, it was the most peaceful, wonderful atmosphere. <laughs> and then you know what happened? As soon as I start driving that way, when we were driving the, the wrong or the southern way, it was snowing a little bit and some flurries. As soon as we turned the other way and the peace of God just like filled the car, man, it started storming and you almost like the flurries were, uh, the, they weren't flurries, there were snow showers and it was thick. But because I had on the inside, I knew like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, bring it on, bring it on. And so we just went and maybe it lasted for five or 10 minutes and then went right through it. And then the roads that had been icy and difficult to travel on before uh, going the other way, all of a sudden the roads were dry and clear and it was wonderful and easy. And there was a, you know, ways will tell you how long the delay is like a two, almost it was an hour and 48, 50 minute delay due to a wreck by Nashville, which is where we didn't go, and another one, and another one, and they had all these wrecks and accidents, and so um, I thank the Lord that he's patient. But I said all that to say that you can yield to the Holy Spirit, and he will speak to you, and uh, you know, he doesn't speak to you maybe like I would speak to you, uh, like you hear, like your eardrum is moved from an audible sound wave that comes to you, but uh, he speaks to you in the inward witness, and he will witness to you. And um, uh, sometimes Paul said, it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit, right? It seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. Um, and then he said another time, like the Spirit forbid me to go. I wanted to go this way, but the Spirit forbid me to go. Uh, but the Holy Spirit, he may forbid you, but that doesn't mean that you don't have your own personal will and option so you can keep driving towards Nashville, uh, but when you're born again, uh, the most frustrated people in life that you will see is a Christian that is not acting like it. Because what happens to all of us is we are recreated on the inside. You become a new creature when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You actually become a new species of being that never existed before. And the Bible says Jesus actually was the forerunner of that new species of being. So... Um, we actually become that on the inside, but it doesn't mean we still don't have to renew our mind and that we still don't have flesh to deal with, yeah. right? I mean, uh, I was born again at a young age, but I was still hungry the next day. <laughs> I was still hungry later that night. I still have the flesh to contend with, um, and, and so do you. So it's important that we uh, yield to the Holy Spirit and give him place. And, uh, you know, I was talking with someone uh, this week, and um, about giving, and uh, they have, uh, I guess, what you'd call substantial resources and ability to give uh, financially. And uh, I, I was asked by them, you know, do you know what, uh, what I should be giving? Because somebody told me several months ago, I should take everything I have and give it away, like all of this. And the person was asking me, like, what, 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 sh what should I do? And I said, um, well, I don't know what your resources are, and I don't really need to, need to know what your resources are. I said, if the Lord has told you to do that, then you should do it. I said, I think that would be the exception and, and not the rule. And uh, this person wasn't concerned. They didn't need to be concerned for, like, what are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? You know, actually, none of us are supposed to be concerned for that. <laughs> 
that's just a side, that's just extra. So, um, but they were uh, discussing that, and I said, you know, I said, have you ever actually have, how many of you have ever heard of Keith Moore? He's a great minister. Anyhow, he says a thousand and one things can be answered by two words. What do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? And those two words are be and led. In other words, uh, Romans 8, 24, 26 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so as sons and daughters of God, we can expect and we should expect for the Holy Spirit to lead us, you know, by the inward witness. So he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us. And so I said to this person, I said, well, you know what I would do uh, if I were you? I'm summarizing. We talked for uh, a little while. Uh, but I said, if I were you, what I would do is I would take, I don't know what it, again, I'm, I don't know. I just know they said they have great resources. I don't know what their definition of great resources is. Um, but it's, I, I'm, it's pr- probably substantial. And I said, well, I would take $20 or $100 or whatever amount you want to think about. And I would take that and I would say, okay, Father God, you said that you would teach me by the person of your Holy Spirit. And I said, what you should do is you take and you say, okay, Lord, I want you to teach me how to be led in my giving. Because you don't always really want to give. The Bible doesn't teach to always give to a need. The closest thing that you can see to that is giving to the poor. But really, you should always also be led even in giving to the poor. And um, was it your mom you were telling me about? Uh, Melody's mom actually... Uh, saw someone that was homeless and uh, had difficulties and they didn't have a lot of money uh, growing up and um, a lot of actually testimonies there that I don't have time to go into but uh, so she gave this homeless person some money and then someone else told her or saw them or whatever and the person went and bought drugs like right away and so same thing happened to me when I lived here in the mid 90s by the way I don't know if they bought drugs but they were they were not in need of the money and um so you see, like, even in doing that, you want to be led by the Spirit of God. So, and we're talking about giving. Of course, we know tithing is 10% belongs to the Lord. So, like, that's easy. You don't have to think about that. And he made it 10%, I think, because it's so simple. $100 is $10. You know, if you're increased by $100, then tithe is $10. But he said that you've robbed me in tithes and offerings, so we know we're also supposed to give offerings as well. But he doesn't say how much offerings to give. Like, how much should you give? If you come up and ask me how much should you give, you know, it, I guess it depends on your circumstance, but I would say be led. You know, and I like, uh, I heard Pastor Mark say, and I think it's so good and so true. If you feel like you're going to backslide, just give a really big offering. So big that you absolutely refuse to backslide because you have to get a return on your giving. Uh, I say that just to say sometimes it's amazing how connected our hearts are with our finances. And, um, you know, if you're having trouble uh, honoring someone that you should honor, uh, I would suggest doing two things. One is bless them with some money, and two is pray for them. Because uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you put your treasure there, all of a sudden your heart opens to that person or to that ministry or to that, to that place. And so um, I just told this person, I said, you know, just pray about it. And I said, then have a good time. Relax. I said, you've got lots of resources. So if you mess up, you accidentally bless someone. It's not a problem, right? And so then you take those resources and then you learn in the little things. And then the Lord will direct you. 
You know, and he could direct you to give everything away. I think it's a very, very rare uh, occurrence. And of course, in the Bible, we find that the rich young ruler was instructed by Jesus to take all that he had, sell it, and give the proceeds to the poor. But that's because the rich young ruler was asking, how can I get into the kingdom of God, into heaven? And that money owned that young man. That young man did not own the money. That was his security. That was his whole, I mean, when faced with the most anointed minister, the most anointed person of God that that young man had ever encountered, he was clutching tight to his resources. He's like, no, I can't let this go. Even though you're telling me this is how I get into the kingdom of God, I can't let this go. And so, um, you know, giving does so many things for us. It's such a, a wonderful way that we can worship God with our resources, but it also uh, declares uh, that Jesus is Lord. We learn that in Hebrews. And for me, I love it because I'm declaring that Jesus is Lord over every part of my life, including my finances. In other words, the world hasn't got my money. Like someone could call me up today and offer me, uh, I don't know, 10 million, hundred million a year. I don't really care the amount if I would just move to wherever, I don't know, California, definitely not California, Alaska or someplace like that. And, uh, if the Lord doesn't tell me to do it, there's no way I'm doing it. Because it's not worth the money. Like money's not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. So I, I just uh, kind of yield to him. And um, uh, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. One translation, my favorite translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. As Smith Wigglesworth said, you should always say and confess the Lord takes care of me in grand style. In other words, he's always taking care of every, every need of mine, everything I have. I remember Brother Hagin said, when the Lord taught him about finances, he said, uh, never talk lack. Lack, you talk lack, it'll actually keep the money from coming to you. And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes you need like a checkup from the neck up, and you check up on what you're saying, and you're like, I had no idea how my thinking was so much lack or some of my talking was so much lack. Because you might look at where you used to be and see where you are today, but you're actually comparing uh, where you are. You're not comparing yourself with the Word. Well, the best thing for all of us to do is to look at the Word, and what does the Word say? Well, the Word says that the Lord, actually the Lord there is Jehovah. Jehovah God is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not want. I have everything I need. He takes care of us, and he takes care of all of our needs uh, according to his riches, his ability in glory, not according to, to our ability or according to our bank accounts or according to our resources. It's according to his resources and according to his ability. Praise the Lord. So when you make Jesus Lord over your finances, it actually affects so much of your life. It affects uh, really more than what you realize because when you're giving, when he has uh, control over your finances, Jesus actually said in Luke that, uh, I think it's Luke chapter 4, that um, if you're not faithful in that which is least, talking about finances, uh, who will give unto you uh, true uh, riches. 
which is like spiritual things, the things of God. And so if we're not faithful, even in something as base or minimal as money, minimal in like eternal value and in eternal importance, how can we expect that the Lord would entrust to us other true riches? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you get one word from God that he shines the light on, that word is a seed that will produce a harvest, that will produce light, that will produce deliverance, that will produce revelation and understanding and give direction. And I could go on and on and on. I mean, the word of God is so powerful that when we take his word that he speaks to us and we act on it, the very physical surroundings that we see, that we feel, that we touch, that we smell will change. And it'll change into the God kind of life. And so um, we're really not just playing church, but we're here and we're receiving words from God. And when we receive words from God and we act on those words, that seed starts to produce a harvest. And same thing financially, that seed starts to produce a harvest. We sow the seed into the kingdom of God, a financial seed into the kingdom of God. And then as we water that seed with our faith, and what is faith? Faith is believing that what God said is true. So you plant your seed in the ground and you say, you know what? That seed, the Lord himself is multiplying that seed. First of all, that is declaring that Jesus is Lord over my life and definitely declaring he's Lord over my finances. And that seed is working on my behalf, on your behalf right now, the seeds that you have sown. And so, but what happens is sometimes we get uh, more in the realm of reason and we're like, well, it doesn't make sense. And I get paid this much every week and here's my job and here's this and here's that. And um, so this is my limitation. Well, that's like natural thinking. Because uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, especially chapter 9 there uh, at the end, really talks about that God gives seed to the sower and that he actually multiplies our seed sown. So what would it look like if we actually believed that? Well, what it would look like if we actually believed it is we would do it. And when we did it, we'd actually be full of joy and full of expectation and anticipation just to see how this harvest is going to develop and how this harvest is going to grow. And we would water that harvest by declaring the word over our seed. In other words, I have sown that seed and I don't know how the Lord's going to do it. I don't know when the Lord's going to do it, but he always settles up. He always multiplies my seed. My seed is in the ground and he is multiplying it. It will actually return to me in many days and it's not going to return the way I planted it. It's actually going to return multiplied and it'll be an abundant harvest and um, it'll be not only provision, but I'll be able to give like 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says into every good work and all of my needs will be met. And not like, okay, all of a sudden the Lord's just saying, okay, here you go. Uh, this is just enough to meet your needs. I don't really want you to have any desires. You know, those are like uh, devilish things, anything of the world. You know, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, the Lord actually created the earth and everything in it, the gold and the silver and all the precious things for Adam, like not sinful Adam, but uh, unsinful Adam, pure Adam, mankind. That's you and that's me. And so the resources and the wealth of the world are actually laid up for those that are right with God. The Bible tells us that. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And God created uh, the whole earth and all of the riches in the earth for us. We just can't let that control us. Jesus is our Lord. 
And so when we tithe, we're actually declaring and we're making a statement. And we are saying, by tithing, you're actually declaring, Jesus is Lord. And so what happens if you actually let Jesus be Lord over your finances? In other words, what's the Lord? The master, the one that's making the decisions, the one that makes the calls, the one that you submit to. So if you've got like a master that you work for, um, then that person, that boss, that CEO, they're making decisions that affect you. Well, if you're saying, okay, Jesus, the perfect, sinless human, God in flesh, we're giving him access, the perfect one. We're saying he is Lord over our finances. Well, that would mean then that the blessing that he speaks over those would pour down upon us. Like the oil on Aaron's head and Aaron's beard just pouring and dripping. And so when we give into the kingdom of God and we bring our tithes, we're declaring Jesus is Lord over my finances. So that's going to affect our finances. And if we believe it's going to affect our finances, then our attitude and our demeanor and our thoughts about those finances are going to be different than if we don't believe that. In other words, we're not going to be like, okay, I know I should do this, and I don't want to do this. I don't want to give. Um, like uh, Pastor Mark would, would say, like, when it comes to offering time, so many times we think God's trying to get something away from us, take something from us. But that's not really uh, a good understanding of what the Bible teaches. That's really human thinking, human, I fig- oh, this is how, here's how I have it figured out. I understand like the church needs finances so they can get into the building on time. <laughs> so they can have heat, so uh, equipment and trailers and make things easier. Well, uh, when we come together, there is a full provision. That's true. That's provided for. Uh, but that's a very limited view of giving That's not really uh, a full view of giving in the Bible. Giving in the Bible says, God said, I will multiply your seed sown and that you'll have all of your needs met and you'll be able to give into every good work. I mean, that is revelation that you can give into every good work because, I mean, okay, there's some things I I just won't give to because I don't trust that the money is going to where it should go to. I like to find a ministry that is... is, um, that I trust, that is doing maybe those community service works and some of those type of things so I can trust that this is going uh, mostly to where it's supposed to go and it's going to be done right rather than, you know, that they use like 10% for administrative instead of 90%, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but of course, in the context of church, you're bringing your tithes and you're presenting them, according to Hebrews, to Jesus Christ. So I am not mismanaging the finances. But understand what I'm saying. In a sense, if you give it to the Lord as to the Lord and not as to the pastor or the person or the church, it doesn't affect your seed whatsoever. The Lord will multiply your seed sown. The Lord will take care of you. And people try to get hung up on all this. Well, I don't like that they're doing this or I don't like that they're not doing this or whatever. Uh, That's just a tactic of the devil to try and rob from you. Because if the devil can get you to lock up your finances, man, the, the true spiritual riches are locked up uh, and your provision is locked up and being able to bust out of where you're at financially is locked up. Uh, so the Lord wants us to give so that he can give to us. When we give, it actually opens the door for him to multiply our seed. 
And he gave us the best example. I mean, what more could you give than your one and only son? Actually, to give him up, knowing that he is going to suffer like no human has ever suffered. That he's going to go through very hell itself uh, to set people free that you love. Amazing, amazing. So when we give, uh, we're declaring that Jesus is Lord. We're sowing seed. Um, He calls financial uh, giving seeds. Multiply your seed sown. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which sows bountifully will reap also bountifully. Every man, uh, according as he purposes is in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you can't really give cheerfully if you're not giving based on what the word says. Because, I mean, if you have like a super abundance and everything like that, it's wonderful to give and to bless someone and everything like that. But you're like, ah, I could have, you know, I could have taken my kids to the park with that or this or that or whatever. But when you give, knowing that God will multiply your seed sown, you're not giving expecting lack and expecting inability. You're giving expecting multiplication. And you're giving expecting God's going to do something now, not only in my finances, but it's going to affect so many parts of my life. And... Um, uh, every man give according as he purposes in his heart. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite giving scriptures. Because uh, sometimes you get around people and, uh, or you can watch them on TV. And like, if you don't give $1,000 in this offering, you won't be set free and you won't this and that. You know what? You're supposed to tithe. The Lord will rebuke the devourer if you tithe. And you're supposed to give offerings and give offerings as you're led. And you're golden. If you do what the Lord says, you're golden. So, um, uh, like, like I started out in the story of us driving home, uh, when you follow what the Lord has said, you have great confidence. So I encourage you as you give, uh, all year, seek the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to give? And do you know what? The Lord knows where you're at in trusting him and believing him. And just like this person I was telling you about, they wanted to know what they're supposed to do. Do you know what? I guarantee if they start with 20 or 100 or wherever they feel like they can start at and it won't upset them, uh, if they start there, they will grow and grow and grow and grow in their giving. Because you realize if the Lord led them to give it all away, the Lord will multiply their seed sown. So actually they'll end up with probably at least more than double. I mean, we gave one time and uh, the Lord... uh, multiplied, I know very specifically, uh, tenfold. And it was a big gift. It was a big seed. And the Lord multiplied it. And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, about a year later, uh, uh, I don't even know what I was thinking about, what I was doing, but the Lord said, do you remember when you gave that? I just witnessed in my heart. I said, yeah, yes, of course I remember when I gave that. <laughs> and uh, the Lord said, uh, look at your income over the last 12 months. And it was actually more than 10 times that. My income. So uh, the Lord will multiply uh, your seed sown. But I just encourage you and I encourage myself, uh, seek the Lord and see what he would have you do. And just don't be satisfied to, to be where you're at. Just say, you know what, Lord? I want to grow in this. Because as you grow, you understand it's fun to bless people. It's fun to enable the work of the kingdom of God to uh, 
expand and to have a part. And the cool thing is when you're sowing seed, you, I mean, we give uh, uh, to uh, Matt and Julie Beamer and we give to Pastor Mark and Trina and a few other ministries, but those are some international ministries. And Pastor Mark and Trina, uh, last year, I think they went to 12 or 13 different countries and they're getting ready to go to Nigeria in a couple weeks, and they're going to Ethiopia for the very first time ever. And I was looking up Ethiopia the other day, and I was talking to uh, the Ethiopian that works at your uh, front desk, you know. I was telling her about the trip, because I might go on that trip to Ethiopia. Uh, you know, she works at the, she let us in for the party. Yeah, yeah. What's her name? Lalam. Lalam. Yeah. I was talking with her, and I looked up Ethiopia. Man, I think the average income in Ethiopia was $300 a year. And um, there's a guy, a pastor in Ethiopia, that uh, started reading Pastor Mark's books 15 years ago and just like got a hold of what it is to be in Christ and all of this stuff and finally asked him, would you come over and would you minister to us, to their congregation? So that's why he's going over there. And, uh, you know, you actually are going to Ethiopia in the beginning of February if you've given to this church. Because we do like 15% off the top. We don't like take and say like this is for our works. Even if we have a local outreach, it goes to other ministries, missionaries especially. And uh, Matt and Julie Beamer uh, live in Nigeria right now, and he's doing some stuff in the States as well. Uh, but they minister uh, overseas and actually have a lot of works, help out in Egypt. They have a Bible school in Egypt that he's kind of over in some fashion. And... Um, just on and on and on. But the point is, like you learn to be a giver and the Lord, if, if you sow seed, God will multiply your seed sown. So when you're coming to a service or you go to a meeting, uh, he gives seed to the sower, he said. That means if I'm going to a meeting and I feel like, well, I don't have finances to give at the meeting, I'm saying, Lord, I am a sower. You said you give seed to the sower, so I need some seed to sow. Uh, and then you actually take part in the blessings and the rewards that the Lord gives for that work done that you had a part in. And so it's a, it's a really a tremendous system the Lord has set up. And um, praise the Lord. Uh, he's good and his mercy endures forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have actually sown your word into our lives. Father, we thank you that you have given us finances, that we're well able to give into every good work, exceeding abundant, that we're generous givers. Thank you that all of our needs are met according to your riches in glory by Jesus Christ. You are our shepherd. We do not want, we do not lack, we have everything that we need. Father, I thank you that we have opportunity, we have ability, and we have plenty of money. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, you can give on push pay or uh, write a check or cash or however you'd like to sow your seed. And I just encourage you, listen to the Holy Ghost and uh, give as he directs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the Lord had a different plan than what I realized, which was uh, really good, though. Um, hopefully, hopefully that was recorded so I can hear it myself. You know, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I like uh, one translation says, faith is giving substance to things hoped for. And, um, you know, sometimes in faith circles, we kind of uh, want to, uh, what do you call it, talk down or diminish the value of hope. But you know, hope is so important 
Do you know that faith is the substance of things hoped for? So you really can't have faith for something that you're not hoping for. So hope is actually very important. And if you look, uh, you know, I was talking with uh, Dave maybe a couple months ago uh, about a, a particular individual and uh, just discussing how it's amazing how in the world there is no hope. You know, we forget sometimes if you've been born again for a while because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Like the earnest expectation that God is going to show up in my life and God is going to show up on the scene and God's going to do something. Uh, but the world doesn't have that hope. And so I think we get so familiar with hope because hope is so ingrained into us that we kind of diminish the importance of it. But hope, um, faith is the substance of what we hope for. That like, okay, I've been hoping for this. So now it's going to come to pass. Well, faith gives substance to us, and faith is really just acting on what the Bible says. So we talked about finances for, for a while there, but you know, uh, another reason I love studying about finances is it affects my faith life because it's something very tangible that you can put uh, your faith on like uh, finances. Uh, same thing with physical healing. It's something very tangible. Like you know if you have a sickness in, well most of the time, you're aware if you have a sickness in your body or a problem in your body. And so you're aware when you feel it and when you don't. Well, just like you're aware when you go look at your bank account, whether it's full, empty, medium, right? You know what the condition is. And so uh, finances are a great thing to really uh, grow your faith in. And because it'll actually not only affect you, but it'll affect other people. And um, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is giving substance. So your faith, in other words, I believe financially that the Lord is going to take care of me. And I'm not going to just barely get by that he's actually multiplying me. And so my faith gives that substance. In other words, it's as good as if I could touch this iPad and grab hold of it right here and now. That's, uh, my faith is really better than that. But it's like a, a physical object. So faith is giving substance. So financially, your faith is giving that substance. So that uh, as soon as you actually showed up in your bank account, oh man, you're thrilled, but you're like, I knew it was coming. I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew that it was coming. And I knew that the Lord was going to take care of me. And so when we put our faith in God and put our trust in God, you really can't go wrong. I mean, he has it set up so wonderfully that he said, you know what? Uh, I can see that you can't handle this. I can see you can't even handle living. So I'm going to give you a new spirit. And you're going to become one with my spirit so that I can live through you so I can give you my ability to face life and the circumstances that are coming against you and the circumstances that are coming against your finances because you can't do it alone and I'm not asking you to do it alone. I'm not asking you to, do it, you to do it on your own. I am giving you my ability. All I'm asking you to do is be a vessel to honor prepared for every good work. In other words, I got lots of good things planned for you. I've got a call upon your life. I have things for you to do. I have resources that I want to get to you, but I want you to be a vessel into honor. What does that mean? Well, one of the biggest ways you show honor is through finances and through the attitude of your heart. And so when you give, here's the awesome thing about giving. When you give as like you're giving to the Lord, 
And you're seeing Jesus receiving that there. It says here men receive tithes, but there he receives them and it declares that he's Lord, okay? When you give to the Lord like that and you're giving like that, then your confidence and your expectation is on him. What is that? You're honoring him. You're honoring his place. You're saying, okay, Lord, this doesn't make any sense to, all, to my head whatsoever. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, it doesn't add up in my calculator. But this is what you said to do. And I'm, I'm like ste- stepping out, what do they call it, on the aching void of nothingness with nothing beneath your feet but the word of God. And so I'm doing this. I am honoring you in this. And so... When we honor him, the Bible actually says, them that honor me, I will honor. And so we actually open the floodgates for him to be able to show up in every part of our lives and to show up in our finances when we honor him. And actually, uh, in Malachi, it says, honor the Lord with your tithes, the first fruits of all of your increase. Honor the Lord. And so we see if we want to honor the Lord, that uh, we want to give to him. And when you're giving to him, it's real easy to release that seed. It's real easy to, sow, uh, to give that tithe, to pay that tithe, because you're giving it to him. And you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you to, to, to work on this. Doesn't mean thoughts don't come. Like, what about this? What about this? How's this? How's that? And just you, you just silence those thoughts. I'd be like, I plead the blood of Jesus over those thoughts. When I say I plead the blood of Jesus, that means may what the blood of Jesus has accomplished to its furthest depth and its greatest height, may it be manifested in this area of my life or in this area of someone else's life. So I plead the blood of Jesus over all of your finances. And I plead the blood of Jesus over our finances and the church's finances. And we declare this will be a year of blessing and a year of increase, and a year of multiplication. Financially, but not just financially. Spiritually, that we will grow and grow and be strong in faith, and we'll be known as those that are exceedingly growing in faith. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus even over ourselves and over our flesh and over our mind. Father, may we enter into the fullness of your plan for our lives. May we give you full access and full place. Father, we yield to you. In fact, we give your spirit uh, first place, your word first place in our life. The word, your word we know is foundation of all things. Thank you for the Holy Ghost who makes your word real and alive to us. Father, we give your word first place just like we would Jesus if he were here in the flesh. Father, we thank you for a great year, an abundant year, a year of harvest. We call in souls people that do not know you. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single one in this area that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for a spirit of prayer upon us and upon our church. Father, we thank you that we can enter into your presence, that we can come boldly before your throne, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Father, I thank you for a great week this week. Thank you so much for loving us and for coming to live inside of us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could sing the